Welcome to the Healthy Lifestyles Podcast, located here in Northwest Phoenix, Glendale, and Peoria. My name is Dr. Nick Hunter. I am a doctor of physical therapy, and I own and operate Preferred Physical Therapy, where we have helped hundreds of people aged 40 plus stay active and independent, live free from painkillers, and avoid surgery, even if they've had pain for years. I have written over eight eBooks on how to treat common injuries and hosted numerous webinars, all in an effort to help educate the public on how to care for and maintain their bodies to live with joy, dignity, and without compromise. This podcast is intended to help you make better decisions about your health so you can find joy in the journey by bringing together top healthcare providers, fitness experts, and nutritionists in the area to give you the knowledge and confidence needed to make good health decisions. Thank you for joining us today. Good. All right. All right. Welcome to the Healthy Lifestyles Podcast, located here in Northwest Phoenix, Glendale, and Peoria. My name is Nick Hunter. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, and I own and operate Preferred Physical Therapy, where we have hundreds of people. We've been able to help stay active and independent, live free from painkillers, and avoid surgery, even if they've had pain for years. And I'm joined today by Rebecca and Nathan. They own tortoise and hair sports right here off of 75th and St. John's or 75th and Bell. And they are since 2012, the first locally owned running store in the West Valley and named a perennial top 50 best running stores in America. What an accomplishment. It says on your website, you guys strive for exceptional customer service with a focus on providing world-class education to each customer about properly fitted gear, shoes, apparel, hydration packs, sports bras, all the things, never ending. You believe in the value of customer service. And I've noticed that firsthand. I've been to your store. I've been to a few of your events and phenomenal way you engage individual people as they, as they come in, whether they're buying anything or they just want to be a part of the community. I've seen it firsthand. How will you take care of them? And in the value of building a fitness minded community, like you say here on the website, community is at the heart of everything that you do, whether from local fun runs, races, yoga, festivals, school fundraising, youth running programs, shoe drives, donations to homeless shelters. You guys are a big influencer in the community. Um, and you state here, being a community-centered business reminds us that it's about giving back and the single highest reward for the work that you guys do. Welcome. Did I miss anything in the introduction? No, that's great. Thank you so much. Well, wonderful. Um, I know we've had a chance to talk, Rebecca, and um, one of the things in our discussion that really triggered me was uh, how passionate you guys are about footwear, about fitting. I think fitting is highly underestimated. Just the convenience of going to the store and even nowadays going online and buying whatever is cheapest or you know easily fits into our budget is an area where many folks are missing out in and that's fit and what metrics or what what assessment tools they're using to ground their decision on what footwear is appropriate for them tell us a little bit about what makes you so passionate about footwear and fitting footwear um i think what makes us passionate about footwear and fitting footwear i think that well first of all one of our number one values is is service and quality um and so we just want to make sure that each person is um, in the most comfortable shoe that matches their strength and stability and 
um, the volume and their arch and their instep height so they can move with, and their feet will be in alignment so they can move successfully without pain. Um, and so they're yeah. comfortable all the time. I, yeah. I mean, I think that, that for us, you know, we, both Rebecca and I, we've been in this industry for a really long time. And I think one of the single biggest challenges we find is that when you buy shoes off the internet or you just go to a big box store and you pull a shoe, pair of shoes off the shelf and you think, oh, I, it's a 10. I wear, I've worn a 10 for the past, you know, however many years. Yeah. That, that not every shoe fits the same. Even the same, even different models within the same brand can run very, very differently. So for us, I think some of the most common issues and challenges we see just on a day-to-day basis from fitting people from, you know, open to close in the shop is that, that, that getting the right size, getting the right kind of fit, you know, outside of this, and Rebecca mentioned the support and, and alignment attributes of a shoe, and those are all really important as well. But, but even just on the most basic level, like does a shoe actually fit a person's foot? And, and, and we tell you that for customers who are new to tourists and hair sports people coming in just for the very first time, it's, it's, it's really quite astounding how many people are wearing shoes that they just simply don't fit. 80% of people who come into the store are in the wrong size shoe. And there is a big misconception that your dress shoe should match your running shoe. Um, and that is not the case. So when people think about a brand or when they think about measuring their feet, they think, oh gosh, like, um, you know, this is, I've measured a size six for my entire life. I haven't measured myself in a really long time, but my dress shoes are a size six. So I wear size six and um, we really try to hit home to people like your dress shoes are not the same as your running shoes. Totally Um, different purposes. Yeah. 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 For a lot of different reasons. And um, so we really talk about the proper fit of a shoe, which is you want a thumbnail between your toe and the end of the shoe. It should hug your foot really nicely in through the, um, in through the arch and you should have some slipping in the heel. Um, and that is um, going to help you get a good proper fitted shoe so your feet can be in alignment and you can help reduce the aches and pains, not only in your feet, but going up your chain as well. Yeah, that was one, one thing that we really talked about. Is, no, I, I was just going to mention that, you know, the, the way a shoe fits to us is so important that, you know, dur- during normal times for us, we actually take many different measurements of the foot like we'll, we'll measure customers on an old school brand device one of those metal things that have sizes on them yeah yeah and the brand device it, it really t- it's a comparative tool you know it's one of those things where you put your foot on and you're comparing your left foot to your right foot and it can kind of gives you some numbers but there's a translation that has to happen from the numbers it gives you to be able to actually pull a shoe we also have a 3d scanner in the shop as well and the 3d scanner is interesting we get kind of cumulative data from various scans and in our scanner they we, it just kind of surpassed a milestone where they just had like i don't know 200 or 3 300 million scans um of various feet done and and what they found is that from the scanning data that, that most the average woman's size is a nine wide and that's you think, average what wow. that's no. average yeah, wow. yeah. And, and it, you know, it's, it's interesting when you, when you think about when you go into most stores, like a, finding a wide width of any kind is pretty challenging. And I think for us, one of the things that really sets us apart 
outside of having multiple ways to measure someone's foot, <laughs> is that we, we carry shoes in all, in all widths. We go from a narrow in women's all the way up to women's extra wide. And, and that isn't something that I think is really uh, common in our industry, whether right. it's a running store or just any shoe stores in general. Um, you go in and almost everything is just kind of a standard width where like the unfortunate thing is that more people need, more people need a wider width. Than, yeah, just on average speaking. Because yeah. we start talking about widths, the only shoe I think of that would even have widths as a measurement in the common store would be New Balance. And that was probably years ago. I'm not, I used to work for Just for Feet right there on 75th and Bell whenever that was there. And that was one thing that we would go through training about was um, – the fact that they're the only only shoemaker that would stock width sizes or your <laughs> shoes with width. It's quite a bit. We have a lot of different models. That's good. About fifty-five to sixty percent of our business is is width, so we carry a lot of different options. Wow. Okay. Good. Good to know. That's very interesting. Now, Nathan, you have. I was talking to Rebecca, and she told me that you have a bit of a background in. Um, in uh was it podiatric orthotosis orthosis making or what was it that you have so um, podorothics is a is a study of like the, the foot and ankle and being able to to make an orthotic and modify shoes for people in need now you wouldn't ever want me to make you an orthotic it would be an utter disaster but yeah i, I got the cert certification and and while well, i could technically do it for you, you you wouldn't like the outcome but but the the education that 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 I received there, I think, was really uh, foundational in many in many aspects for uh, you know, the types of insights we try to bring to our fitting processes day to day within the shop. Yeah, totally. But that's one of the things I wanted to bring up was the fact that that knowledge needs to exist for you know, to help clients make a decision. Is is you have to have some of that background to know how the different foot. The way the foot hits the ground is when everything changes up the chain. We, we call it the ground reaction forces. And I, I know again, Rebecca and I spoke about it a little bit, but without trying to get too nerdy about how we break down these changes, we do want to make it so that everyone understands the fact that foot and foot placement in a shoe makes a big difference. And when you have an ill-fitting shoe or one that doesn't support you in the way that, uh, that you need it by an assessment – then it's going to change how your how your knee is reacting, how your hip is reacting, and even low back and shoulder. Um, I mean, all the way up to the. There's even studies that will show how it goes up into the neck, especially at the the atlas where the head sits, you know, the skull sits on the spine. Uh, so neglecting this enormously important portion of this decision and how you make a shoe purchase um, is. Uh, something that needs to be spoken about needs to be researched a bit. So I think it's fantastic that you guys go through all that work to to do so and do so very successfully. Um, the other question that triggered me is, do you guys battle a lot with uh, women's vanity when it comes to shoe choosing? In the sense that this is you're a size ten, but I've been a size nine my whole life, and it's, and they have these ideas about what it means to be a size ten or to be a wide for crying out loud. Is that is that an issue, or do they come in willing? willing to make those changes? I think it depends on how you approach it. Um, and each of our team members will approach it a little differently. And I, a lot of times you try just not to show them what, like, it doesn't matter what the size is. Like people will come in and they'll ask and I'll be like, and we'll say, well, your size awesome. <laughs> it's good. Well, 
I mean, these are going to feel really good. Um, but we talk about comfort is beauty. Yeah, we talk about <laughs> comfort. We talk about volume. It's about the volume of your of your foot and the volume that you need inside the shoe. And I think explaining like um, we uh, are we educate people as much as possible on during our fit process, and we do that so they can understand why we are pulling the shoes that we are pulling for them. And so when you have a higher instep um, and you have arch pain, you're gonna need a little bit more, you're probably gonna need a little bit more volume and you may want some support underneath that arch in order for you to have a, um, a comfortable shoe. And then this is also, I think, where explaining how a shoe is supposed to be properly fitted, that we want a thumbnail between your toe and the end of the shoe. It should hug your foot really nicely in through the arch. And you should have a little bit of slipping in the heel. We say that to, the, to our customers multiple times so they, can, so they can hear tidbit, they'll hear tidbits here and there. And then hopefully by the end, everything is coming together. Yeah, it's, then, it, it, it's pretty easy to understand. I mean, when you, when you consider how many nerve endings are, you know, exist in the human foot and that, that those nerve endings, you know, just like one sense of touch or one sense of taste can be developed over time, you know, nerve endings in the foot are like, once they get accustomed to a particular sensation, like the sensation that, for instance, a shoe could can produce against the foot, that once that becomes normalized, it's really challenging for the brain and the foot to kind of communicate to each other to change those norms. So if you think that, you know, if a person comes in, they've worn a size nine their entire life, and unfortunately, a particular shoe that they like the feel of, they should probably be in a 10. Um, this, is, this is a very common, I think, challenge for for, for people to adjust to. Those, those nerve endings, it takes time to reset them. And there are times when, you know, a customer comes into the shop for the very first time and, and we fit them, we do a great job, and they walk out with what we consider an ideal fit, but they come back because they, they feel it's, it's simply too large. And, and again, we, we understand that, that it takes time for those nerve endings to reset and for your brain to start feeling like, wow, okay, this... You know, I, in the first couple of days, I thought that, you know, when Nathan fit me at Tortoise and Hare, I thought the guy was, you know, totally crazy recommending the size. But boy, after I got used to it, it, it it's incredibly comfortable. I mean, these these are challenges that I think that, yeah. that are common, you know, not just to, to our shop, but any, anybody who's, yeah. who's kind of in this, in this, in this sphere. But sometimes um, it's just taking baby steps and we can read that from customers um yeah just from their feedback you know we can advise them that hey this is how a shoe should fit but if they're not going to wear it or they're gonna you know then that's not that's going to be a disservice to them and so you know we'll say hey like why don't you start here and then the next time you come in let's reevaluate it and see if we can get you into um a size where you do have that thumbnail um between your toe and the end of the end of the shoe and i think there's a lot of people who, who, who will start there and then they'll, they'll tend to go up. We even have some of our, some of our team members when yeah. they first start working <laughs> for us, you know, be like, Hey, what size shoe do you wear? Like, Oh, I wear a six. And it's like, okay. And after they've been with us, everybody kind of, yeah, like, 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 Oh, my feet are Our grown. seasoned like, no. team members look at each yeah. other like, Oh, yeah, I don't know if you're going to be there next year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's awesome. 
Well, good. Speak to us a little bit about some of the intricacies that you have with fitting runners and why some some runners have different conditions or, or different factors that they need to be in tune with when they make a shoe purchase. What is it about running and what is it about some of the conditions that runners deal with that make fitting a shoe and shoe purchase so unique? You can start. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think some of the things that, that runners oftentimes think about are, are um, that some, some come in with a particular goal in mind. Hey, I'm training for a marathon. Um, you know, I need a, I need a fresh pair of shoes. Um, and so there are a number of different considerations that, that we, we really try to, to walk that particular runner through, whether they're training for their first 5k or they're training for their hundredth marathon. Um, many of the questions we try to dig into around history, injury history, goals they may have is really just to, to try to more fully understand how we can best serve this, this athlete. Um, because while you may have a person training for their very first 5K wearing the exact same shoe that a person training for their 100th marathon is wearing, it, um, there's, there is definitely this thing in running, and I think in any uh, sport where you have a, a fairly high degree of camaraderie where people are always looking for suggestions from, from others and yeah. their shoes. And I think one of the biggest challenges is that, you know, a person who's perhaps newer to the sport would reach out to someone who perhaps more experienced and they'll say, yeah, you know, what shoe should I wear? And they'll say, Oh, you should wear shoe X. And the person making the recommendations, basing it on the success they've had with product X. And, and I think for us, we try to really fully understand their needs and, and what they're going to be doing and their kind of expectations around, um, you know, fully moving into, um, you know, the, the, the running, the running, um, activity running world. And so, um, in and you know, fully understanding those, those needs and desires, I think allows us to kind of move beyond a superficial recommendation that a friend may have given them that product X is, is going to be yeah. fantastic for them where, where we really understand that, you know, product X for your friend might've worked well because, you know, their foot is shaped this way or, you know, they've had these, these, biomechanical challenges in the past but you know for this person and for their current state of fitness for their foot shape for their you know running mechanics and their stride that the, there could be a a shoe that performs you know far better than what they may have already come in you know wanting to explore you know i think I that's a really you- good point actually if i could just jump in real quick because i think so often we function as a community to, to kind of go to the expert, go to the person that we feel like would know better. And it would seem natural for someone who's just starting out to do a 5K to think that, oh, I'm going to go to the guy who's run so many marathons and get that advice. I think that's a, a really good point that you bring up because that shoe in that situation is very different if you're doing your 100th marathon than it is if you're doing your first 5K and, and those needs need to be addressed. And so I think that's a that's a great point to discuss because – it would seem obvious that going to them for expertise is the right choice when it very well isn't. But I, I mean, Rebecca follows all these various <laughs> chats on Facebook and it's, it's funny. She, but she tells me yeah. to unfollow. <laughs> yeah, don't follow. It's frustrating. <laughs> uh, 
So, yeah, I mean, people ask like, hey, my feet are going numb. Like, what should I do? Like, am I in the wrong shoe? And people just throw out suggestions instead Mm -hmm. of asking questions. And asking questions is paramount in finding a solution to your problem. Um, Because, and, and, and when you fit thousands of people for shoes, you start to see trends of, what works for some people? Why, you know, like, why do you need some original rigidity in your shoe? Like a lot of people will come in and they'll have a really flexible shoe and, um, they can't figure out why they have foot pain or their, um, calves hurt or they have shin splints. And it's because they need a little bit, um, more rigidity, original rigidity specifically, or they might need a wider base or, um, they don't have enough volume. They're tying their shoes too tight. Um, they think that they, they think that it should feel that uncomfortable. And when you start running longer distances, your feet tend to swell. They can swell up to 30% or more depending on what distance you're running. And, you know, that's partly why we have people go up in size is because you want to take that into consideration as well. I think that's a great point. Uh, just like in medicine, uh, you know, physical therapy, what we do all the time is getting to the right diagnosis for the problem is, is key. And not, not all shoulder pain or back pain or foot pain is the same. Not every condition responds the same. And so you have to ask those identifying questions that's going to help eliminate or narrow down what situation this person is, is in, what, what condition this, this patient is, is exactly in it. And, and, so much of our our treatment. So in our case in physical therapy, so much of our treatment isn't designed to get you out of pain. It's it's designed to to get you past the pain and back into the activity that you want to be doing. And so in your case, in many cases with running, it's it's harder it's hard to find a more passionate group of people getting back to the thing that they love than than runners. I, I personally I have I'm a runner. I have a running history. I've done a couple of marathons, a half Ironman. I, I love it as well. And you get in a group where it's like they their their purpose for life is to is to run. And when you start to disrupt that idea that that we're going to make these changes, it can it can be sometimes hard to accept. But when you start to ask those questions that are are more pointed to identify more where they're coming from and what condition they're in, you're able to make those suggestions and and make that fit. In your case, so specific to them, it's it's hard to decline. It's hard to to go back from and. And you're absolutely right about some of those chat groups because it's all you see all the time. It's what's the best shoe for for running, or I'm doing a 5K. What's the best shoe? And, and everyone has their own opinion because that's what works for them. Hundred comments, right? And they're all different, or there's you know within within <laughs> exactly. All right, and, and I see it with physical therapy all the time. We're, we're fighting the internet's solution to all their problems, just like I'm sure you guys are, and. If you're if you're in front of an expert that isn't asking questions to identify what's going on, you're in the wrong space, or you're not asking an expert. You're asking someone who only has a testimonial experience with what's going on that works for them, and it's not they haven't seen what's going on. So I think that's a that's a great point you bring up about the need to ask questions and to really get to the bottom line of of what intention, what outcome are they intending to produce with that shoe? What's the purpose? And then go from go from there. That's perfect. Well, good. Tell us more. Um, what else have you noticed with regards to shoe fitting and the importance of, of getting the right shoe for the right activity for the right person? 
Um, you know, I think that for, I think one of the most commonly misunderstood elements of, of, of running footwear is that, um, you know, over the past 20 or 30 years, they've been making shoes with a, a you know, kind of a, a spectrum of support, right? They, shoes come with certain labels, like neutral, stability, motion control, minimal, maximal. And, and you know, at, at the end of the day, um, we, we try to really ignore those labels as much as we can, because I think that, that in some ways th those labels are, are marketing. And, and sometimes, you know, customers may come in armed with a, a, a lot of information or data that, that actually isn't all that relevant. Um, outdated because, or it's outdated and 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 i think that that for a really long time when i first got in the industry this was back in the the late 90s you know the the stability shoe was kind of the the be all end all and, and we still sell a, a ton of stability shoes because people need it but um but i think that that the industry has changed support, the geometry the, of yeah. the shoe. How, so how, 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 a, how, a, how a foot ultimately ends up being supported in a shoe, like we, you can achieve an ideal level of support through a, a wide array of means. And, and I think that, that some people come and say like, oh no, I definitely need, you know, a neutral shoe. I definitely need a stability shoe. It's like, well, let's, let, you know, let's put this thing on. Let's watch you run. Let's see what happens. And, and I think that, 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 being open-minded and understanding that that as designs continue to evolve that and as one's biomechanics continue to evolve as they become yeah, bodies evolve yeah they develop an injury and they're they they create a, a a compensation because of that injury that 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 if you're in the same shoe 20 years later it, you're, you're there's probably something not i mean not that you couldn't do it but but it's very rare that a customer what you know i've been in this shoe for the past 20 years it's worked beautifully like i generally because of the technological changes in shoes and even you know minor changes in one's biomechanics over time that that we we've seen for many people who who've come to trust us with you know mul across multiple footwear purchases that that you know we can really mitigate a lot of the the most common injuries with you know kind of common sense and um you know, just some helpful stretches and little, little form tweaks and stuff along the way. So. Yeah. But I think it's, I mean, I, I do think one of the biggest misconceptions, especially for like, I think the biggest example is like, I have a high arch, I need a neutral shoe. Well, if you have a high arch and you're mid and you're in the middle of your foot hurts, you probably need something to support your foot underneath there. Um, and so there's just, that's, that's why we ask so many questions because um, it, that kind of gives us an idea of based on what's going on in your body and what you're using the shoe for is, you know, that's, that's the purpose of, of that. And I think that like Nathan said, like the technology has changed so much in the past. It changes, it's, changes every year. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I mean, we work, we work with a lot of different medical, medical professionals and, um, with some of them, we'll take like, here's some updated footwear that we are now carrying. And this is the difference between last year's model and this year's model. And maybe we're not bringing a certain shoe back because of the geometry or the base of the shoe and how it wraps your foot. 
Um, and just letting them know that because we've, I mean, for a while we were having suggestions for footwear that was like 10 years old and it's just different. It's not the same anymore. And there's, there's better options now. That's a good point. You know, when, when we look at, when we look at across the spectrum, across all the different brands, I mean, there's some fabulous brands out there that make not so great product and, um, and I think one of the, the biggest challenges can be uh, is just understanding that, and, and some people have, have even come to understand this, that, that you may fall in love with a product one year and then it updates the next year. It, it's no longer, it's not really the it's same product. The same it has product. the same name and they've maybe, you know, updated yeah. some styling or some colors, but the, the fundamental fit and feel of the shoe is, has been altered. And they, sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's unintentional on the part of the manufacturer. Um, but we tend to kind of pride ourselves, I think, on being able to, to siphon out where the best product is and how these subtle little changes in the shoes from, you know, the sponginess of the foam to some of the subtle shaping under the foot, how those things can, can impact the foot. And so, you know, that we've, we've, you know, experienced some of these things on a, on a day-to-day basis where a customer comes in and gets fitted and then, you know, they go online to buy the next year's version of the shoe and, or the next two, two versions of the shoe and they end up getting injured or they can't figure out why their feet aren't as comfortable and they come back to us like, well, yeah. So we stopped carrying the shoe that we originally sold you when they updated it because the update had some kind of design flaws to it. And we, we, yeah. we didn't carry it because we didn't feel comfortable. We, we, you know, and that had that customer come back to us, we would have been able to look them in the eye and say, gosh, you know, I, lo- I know you love this shoe. And even though that shoe updated and this still has the same name as that, there's actually this sh- other shoe from a different brand that's actually going to be more similar to the shoe you just had. And, and that can be confusing. Wow. It can be, I think, disappointing for some people. We're like, gosh, I, I love this thing. I, you know, when I go to the grocery store and buy a watermelon, I don't want a muskmelon. But, you know, it's like, you kind of yeah, right. When, when I buy, you know, this shoe from this company, I, I kind of, when I go back to buy it again, it's, kind of expecting it's gonna be the same thing and just, you know sometimes it is sometimes it isn't um, no you're right because i had a client who had uh, a big nike pegasus fan and he had the year that he liked the most and so he had he'd, he would buy 10 at a time because he wanted to make sure that he wouldn't run out uh, as things evolve but i think to your point you make it that the, the fact that even though it's the same shoe his body is changing you know his body is making adjustments he's we all as we age we decline i hope it's not news to anyone but we are on a, this kind of downward trajectory of our body's physical ability and so our needs will change as we go if if, uh, if we're not careful of that so what what are your recommendations what do you say to folks about how often they should get new shoes or change their shoes and even come in for a new fit yeah, yeah. We, we, when, we, when we talk about this, we try not to sound self-serving in part because, I mean, it's, right, like, I think one of the biggest challenges, so, so there was a recent survey that, that I read about in um, one of our trade publications, and, and they went out and asked, like, I don't know, 200 different customers, 200 different footwear shoppers, what their life, what they think the, a, a shoe should last, what's the life expectancy yeah. of a shoe? And, and, and the, the most common answer is that, um, I think like 60 or 70% of the people said that their shoe should last for like two years. And, and to us, like, I mean, when manufacturers talk about the lifespan of a shoe, they, they typically rate it in terms of miles, right? If a person's running and they're keeping track of their mileage, like it's a, it's a pretty standard thing, 300 miles, 400 miles, pretty standard. 
some shoes and some runners who have yeah, a very 500. efficient running form can get up to 500. That's, you know, typically when you see a, a shoe that's 500 miles, it's kind of like coasted into the gas station or the tank that's absolutely empty. You know, you're kind of just on vapors. At 500 miles, generally your shoes is, is completely trashed. But most, I mean, there's a lot of people that come into our shop too that they're not running. Right. Um, and so like we, we work with people who are on their feet all day at Costco or they're nurses or, um, they work at Home Depot. And so that dialogue is if they're using their shoes for either 10 hour shifts or eight hour shifts or whatever that is, it's 40 hours a week. Um, nurses especially are going to take about 15, about 15,000 steps. And so that shoe is going to last them probably four months. So if you're, lucky. yeah, if they're, yeah, lucky, yeah, there's times that, that they're, you know, you need to replace it. And sometimes people are in tune with their body and they're like, okay, my knees are starting to hurt. So I need to get a new pair of shoes, but we do give out a footwear care card that goes through, um, how a shoe should fit the lifespan of a shoe. And we put down in both miles and in months, just kind of because if someone comes in and they are not a runner They've never been a runner and they have no plan on being a runner. You can't, I mean, it's a different conversation. And so, um, it's, it's definitely people, people's bodies will feel better at, at a, at a shoe that lasts them four to five months at the max and then three to 400 miles, um, from a running standpoint. And, and if you're able to, like if you're using your shoes every single day or if you're training for a marathon, it's really good to have two different shoes. Um, so you're using different rotating. Yeah, and rotating them out because it from a injury standpoint and just keeping your body in better alignment, it's it's I th- better. I think many, many people are are surprised. You know, I think that the expectation is you're you know, you're you're coming into a an establishment like Tortoise and Hare and, and, and you're investing in some really great shoes. You're spending more money on a pair of shoes than you've ever spent in your entire life. And, and, and I think some people are a little bit shocked when, when they ask that question, because that's probably one of the most common questions we get from customers. You know, what, what should I expect from the life of the shoe? And they're like, you know, we tell them based on what you're doing, you're going to get three, maybe four months out of the shoe. And, um, you know, These I think, shoes should last me a lifetime. Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, that's, the, that's the expectation. They're like, wow, I'm spending right. way you know, three times more on a shoe. It should last me three times longer, right? And the, the reality is, is that if you're purchasing an athletic shoe, the raw ingredients in the shoe are, are essentially the same, right? The, the foam underfoot on a, little, on a more expensive shoe is probably actually going to last you longer. Um, than in a less expensive shoe, but but the breakdown, the compression of that material, it's essentially the same. Um, you know, you, you're applying force over a certain amount of time, and the the material can only withstand you know so much. That doesn't mean that that we don't have customers. Um, you know, I even had a family member who recently bought a pair of shoes from us, and she was replacing a pair of shoes she bought back from us in 2012. 2012, and so um, just eight years. That's all. It, you know and she's like it's i think there's still i can still squeeze a little more juice out of the slime and it's like well okay but but a fresh pair of shoes is going to make your feet feel so much better um so that's not to say you can't stretch your shoe as far as you want to stretch it but um you know there there are certain kind of diminishing returns that happen yeah typically beyond that 
four to six month time frame for for most people. Yeah, I think it's a great guide to have because we get that question often enough to where it's it is important to be. Um, aware of the fact that there is a time frame and a kind of a usage out of a shoe that we should be aware of. And while you can go beyond that, um, you know, just like changing your oil in the car, they say every 3000 to 5,000 miles, but can you get eight or nine? Maybe, but at what cost is it going to, is it going to be? Yeah. I mean, are you going to run a risk of having a, you know, more expensive breakdown later on shoes in a similar fashion? Are you putting yourself at risk for, for injury or, or something else that is going to end up being more expensive in the long run, take you out of running. I mean, how that, that the opportunity cost of missing out on runs or races or the, the stress relief that you get from a run or, or even work, if that's the case, um, a, a bigger cost to it than, than what it is to purchase a new pair of shoes and, and to get a new fit. Good. You kind of mentioned it earlier, the, um, the, the trends that we've seen in footwear going from motion control or stability control to, to minimalists, to maximalists. Uh, tell us, you know, from your history, what, what are some of the, the, the reasonings or the science behind some of these trends and, and kind of why we now have this do whatever feels right or, or get what's right for you before you start making a, a, an assessment that, that you want to fit into any one of these categories? I don't know. I mean, I, I could jump into the Wayback Machine when I first got in the industry. And we, uh, we were so primarily like motion control. This is back in like in the late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of motion control and stability shoes, in part because the, the, the neutral category of shoes was a pretty underwhelming uh, design. Again, but Rebecca mentioned earlier kind of torsional rigidity. That's a fancy term for the ability of a shoe to twist, right? The shoe right. that has a lot of t capacity to twist. Um, typically, you know, when you look at the the gate cycle again. I don't want to get too far into the weeds here um, with your viewers, but um, you know most people land on their heel, and then the last part of the foot to leave the ground is their toes. And so, um, through that motion, there's quite a bit of kind of twisting of the foot that happens. And if a shoe is too flexible, it allows the foot to rotate probably beyond a little too far, and just puts more stress on soft tissue and joints and stuff. Um, Sounds and so, like you're talking about pronation. Well, it, it, not. I mean. There, there's it's not there's, bad there's pronate, pronate, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that was the the marketing ploys used in the late '90s was that pronation is this, this horrible thing that we need to stop doing. So we're going to put all this stability and motion control technology in the shoe, and when now we're finding well, let's let's identify where it is problematic versus where it's not, and and let's calm down about it a little bit. Yeah. But it went yeah. to the opposite direction. It did, yeah. Something yeah. and and then people got in these really minimal shoes and they we sold a lot of those yeah shoes we did too. yeah but I I think that there was I mean we were educating people too like hey you can't use that you shouldn't be using these for your every for every single run it's something that's it's um a training tool. it's a training tool and it's another tool or a tool that you have in your toolbox and it's going to help strengthen your feet and your ankles um but there's also a lot of people that can't that's a little too there's not enough there to right. actually it's a too fun mm -hmm. yeah. yeah right and you can't just put those on and go on your five to ten mile run right like you would in your normal shoes because it just hurts <laughs> it just hurts i've seen too many stress fractures going the minimalist route thinking that oh i'll just take those shoes off and, and go do my 
my half marathon training uh, without the buildup, without allowing the, the tissues and the structures to make the adjustments and necessary changes over time. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not right. Yeah. I mean, we've seen, we've seen a lot of the, some of those design elements, I mean, from, from that minimal kind of lower drop range, I mean, there's still a, a number of shoes that, that still build on what they call a, a, a balanced cushion, a more kind of zero drop profile. It just means yeah. that you're building four foot on the same plane. Um, there's still a number of brands out there that, that are building great product, you know, plenty of cushioning and support, but just that you know, kind of more even It's um, evolved with yeah. more cushioning yeah. and yeah. a little bit more rigidity to it than Absolutely. what it has had in the past, yeah. which is good. And now tell us about Maximalist. The, uh, the the Hoka and the the huge cushions that I mean, when the first Hokas came out I thought what in the world are these things and now they've come out and I actually own a pair of hiking boots that are Hokas but they've they've changed the way that they look so they're they're not as what's the <laughs> pillow looking but we were actually one of the very first retailers in the country to to even carry Hoka when they first came out and um man it was I'll tell you when they first came out it was tough to talk to customers about it because they're like they were our moon yeah, shoes. They were. They were just. They like, actually wow, had a Hubble so on the side of the shoe. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though. Over time, I think that that's that's one of those uh, trends. And Hoka is kind of the, the main brand that's kind of um, designed and marketed shoes around this sort of technology and this concept. And um, you know, we definitely see I'm more great. shoes coming into that that sphere and saying, Hey, there's, you know, other, other brands to consider when you're you know thinking about wanting more cushioning. Um, but the, you know, the concept with Hoka is just, it's really about trying to keep the foot well balanced while pushing more cushioning underneath the foot. And I think that for many people, when, when they, when you think about, you know, how, how shoes have been branded over the past 20 or 30 years that, that, that cushioning has been the main thing that, that many brands have been touting. And, and, and really, when we think about functional footwear, shoes that are going to bring the most amount of, of comfort to people, regardless of what they're doing in them, that there's a balance to be struck between the support on one side and the cushioning on the other. And, and Hoka is one of those brands that, for the most part, they've, I think they've struck a really important balance there, right? That even though they're talking about putting a, driving a lot of cushioning under the foot, they've done it in a sort of inherently stable kind of way, right? That even though that your foot is sitting higher from the ground, they've, they've redesigned the base of the shoe to, to keep you stable. So you're not prone to like turning an ankle or, you know, yeah. so, so they've done it in a really, I think, intelligent, intelligent way in terms of the, the design of it. But, but Hoka, I mean, has seen over the past three or four years, I think a phenomenal, phenomenal amount of growth generated through kind of word of mouth, I think more than anything else. Um, and, you know, we've been lucky to be able to partner with them and, and, um, you know, kind of work with them on, on some various things and, and, you know, continue to encourage them to continue on the, the path they've been on because it's, I think biomechanically it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a good example of how the geometry of a shoe has really changed yeah when you look at the bottom of the shoe that's what right. we're talking about the geometry but i think i think that they have had like some pretty amazing like creative and innovative um pieces of footwear that have come out that have been very 
know, successful and that have helped a lot of people who have always experienced foot pain and they're getting into that shoe. And for the first time, like their, their response is, this is the first time in 10 years that I haven't had foot, like my, it doesn't hurt when I put on a pair of shoes, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I think it's one thing that a lot of people will underestimate what um, a wider toe box with cushioning in the right places and support in the right places can really do and change the way that they contact the ground and overall experience uh, the, the ground. I mean, experience a, a proper gait pattern that is not going to, to cause more wear and tear or, or detrimental breakdown that leads to injury. Um, so often, uh, when we try and talk to people about about foot care, uh, particularly you know people who suffer with Morton's neuromas or peroneal tendonitis, you know this this phantom. It's not phantom, but it's this, this strange tendon pain along the outside of the ankle, where it seems like a rolled ankle, but I never rolled my ankle. We get this kind of confusion, and it's it's now let's have a, an appropriate discussion about what is ankle support and what what is a properly fitted shoe, so that we don't get compression across the toe box. You know. We, look at the, the knuckles of the toe of the foot we're not we're not the, the the wrong fitted shoe can cause that kind of compression and we see it so much with high heels or flats that just squeeze and strangle that toe box that now we're, we're just running into all kinds of problems um, so I, I think it's phenomenal that, that shoemakers are, are making those changes or they're, they're adjusting to the the awareness that the consumer is having regards to what is going to be important to them and how to avoid those things. And I think in large part, you guys and people in a similar position in the industry that are making those suggestions and kind of, kind of really ringing the bell of the importance of shoe fit so that you can stay injury free and stay on the path to, to running or, or working pain free is, uh, is, is phenomenal. And it goes a great, it goes a long way in speaking consumer advocacy, which is a lot of what you talked about on your website about staying true to the community. And the community isn't just locally here, but it's the community of runners and people everywhere who are suffering with, whether that's foot pain or, or ill-fitting shoes that now have a resource to go to to find relief and to find success. I think that's that's phenomenal. Well, a few minutes left. Anything else that you guys would like to speak to in closing before we end the session? Um. One thing that I like to ask is, what's what's one thing you say that to every customer, or you, rather, what's one thing you say every day that you would like to just have on repeat, or if you could just help everyone understand something about shoe fit, what is it you say over and over that you want you want to put on record and just just yeah. have it out there? <laughs> we talk to the team about this, and we tell them over and over and over again, like you have to tell people how a shoe is properly fitted. So a properly fitted shoe, you should have a thumbnail between your toe and the end of the shoe. It should hug your foot really nicely in through the arch and you should have some slipping in the heel and you're gonna get between three to 400 miles on your shoes. And if you are only walking in them, you're probably gonna get four to five months out of them at the max. That is, the, that is something we say yeah. over and over and over and over again. Broken record. Yes. And your dress shoes are not supposed to be the same size as your running shoes. That's excellent. What it's a perfect situation or understanding to, to put into perspective about what what are the elements of a good fitting shoe? Um, simply put, fundamentally speaking, that's how it should look. Um, well done. I, I really appreciate it. You guys, thank you for, for joining us. Um, thank you for your knowledge and your commitment to the community and for putting out uh, not only great products, obviously, but, but putting people in front of great products to help them succeed, help them live a healthy life. 
I'm, again, I'm a big fan of running. I've been running for a long time. Cross country, you know, a personal anecdote. Cross country for me, I started my sophomore year of high school. The reason why I started sophomore year is because my freshman year, I got cut from basketball. Basketball was my life. It was everything. It was all I loved. And I got cut from basketball. And the coach said I was one of the last few to get cut. I was too slow in in, in short terms. I was too slow. So I went out for cross country, changed my life. I made basketball that next year. I ran cross country again. I lost weight. The whole mental capacity, the mental fortitude that was necessary to, to finish a race um, it was what has led me to all kinds of success in life in personal discipline and personal commitment. So I, I love the running community. I love that what you guys are doing and it's great having you guys so close. You're, you're less than a mile away and look forward to seeing what you guys do in the future. So uh, hats off to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Space story. Thank you for listening to this episode of the healthy lifestyles podcast. If you want more help, check out our website at preferredptaz.com where you will find our free reports on low back pain, hip, knee, foot and ankle, shoulder, and neck pain. Or you can find them by clicking the link in the show notes. Have a great day. Preferred Physical Therapy and the guests on this show does not recommend, endorse, or make any representation about the efficacy, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, products, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained on or available through this content. Preferred physical therapy and the guests in the show are not responsible nor liable for any advice, course of treatment, diagnosis, or any other information, services, or products that you obtain through this audio recording. For specific information regarding your case, please consult a licensed professional in your area. Thank you for joining us today.